following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fratinsky, and you can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts at Herd and 10 Check those out because we're always putting new Bills-related content out there. So if it's not enough to get this weekly episode out, we also put a ton of written content out on our social media accounts. So please check those out at Herd and 10 Bills win, Bills win, Bills win. It's sweet to say that every time the Bills win, but it's particularly sweet this week because the Bills have really turned the corner. They have now cleared out the New England Patriots. They have swept them this season. It's actually the first time since 2000 that the New England Patriots have been swept by another opponent in their division. That is saying something. Now, we know this is the first year without Tom Brady since then, but wow. The Bills really had a statement win, winning 38-9. to And they did it in beautiful fashion. Josh Allen just picked them apart. He really carved up the Patriots' defense. He was doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He was throwing to players. He was going deep. He was going short. He was rolling out and throwing across his body. It didn't seem to matter. Josh Allen was magic out there. He was on fire. He is becoming a star player in the NFL. And I don't think you could find anyone that will question that anymore. He broke the single season record for passing touchdowns for a Bills quarterback, passing Jim Kelly and throwing his 34th touchdown. He's about to pass the passing yards record, which Drew Bledsoe still holds. Josh Allen is having a historical season for a Buffalo Bills quarterback. And really, he's having an impressive season that is certainly putting him in the MVP conversation. I've been saying this for a while, but he just continues to get better every single week. It's unbelievable. When you think he's hit a ceiling, he surpasses it. Honestly, at this point in time, I don't know what Josh Allen's ceiling is anymore because that guy is dynamite. He is becoming a star. He is a star at this point. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He does it all. He can throw deep. He can make touch passes. He can run. He's, he's reading defenses. It's just, it's unbelievable. 
I don't know what else to say, but this is spectacular. This is as good of a feeling as a Bills fan can have. This is an amazing time to be a Bills fan. We have finally taken the crown. We are the AFC East champions. We've beaten the Patriots twice this season, and we just spanked them this week. We made them look stupid. We made Cam Newton look stupid. Bill Pelichek, he's on the bench. He's smashing his phone. Man, that felt good to watch Belichick be frustrated. Ollie, you got to be with me on that. That was such a good feeling to see Bill Belichick just so pissed off. He couldn't hold it in. He was so fed up. He probably can't believe that it's the Buffalo Bills that are destroying his team and dismantled them in prime time Monday night on the road in Gillette Stadium. It's their home stadium. They're always good at Gillette Stadium. And the Bills came in and absolutely obliterated them. The synonyms to explain how amazing this is that the Bills destroyed the New England Patriots. They slaughtered the New England Patriots. And I would love to see this for years to come. Now let's talk a little bit about the Bills' upcoming game. Because they have a very interesting game coming up. They're playing the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins have a shot to make the playoffs. The Dolphins, if they win, they make the playoffs. If they lose, but I believe if Baltimore loses and a few other teams lose, if any of a few teams lose, the Dolphins are in. Just taking a look so I know exactly what needs to happen. If the Dolphins win, they're in. Miami loses. They still have a 75% chance of making the playoffs. If Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indianapolis lose, Miami would still make the playoffs at 10-6. So Miami's got a really good chance, but they do have a lot to play for. They're going to play hard. The Bills, on the other hand, if the Bills win... They lock up the second seed, and that's a pretty big deal. So this game is still really important for the Bills. The Bills need to win this game, and it's going to take a few things to do that. The Bills have a tough matchup. The Dolphins are a really good team. They have a really good defense. They have a strong offense that still doesn't seem to be clicking quite the way it needs to be. But let's get right into the weekly wins and lazy losses segment. And this segment is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But they now also offer products for other parts of your body. I want to tell you a little bit about Manscaped's latest product, the new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. If you buy this product, Using the promo code HERDAND10, you will receive 20% off and free shipping. So please, go visit manscaped.com. And when you go to purchase an item and hit checkout, include the promo code HERDAND10 and get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order. So get the new Weed Whacker and or the Lawnmower 3.0 
and make your balls a priority this holiday season for weekly wins. The Bills need to do something to win this game, and that is contain the Dolphins rookie quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. I believe I got that right. It's Tungavailoa. Lock him in. Keep him in the pocket. He likes to get out and see things outside of the pocket. He likes to roll out. He, he finds it easier to see things. He's not a tall quarterback, so you got to keep him in that pocket. You need to play QB contain. If the Bills do that, honestly, I don't see any other reason why they can't win. The Bills offense is rolling right now. They're having no problem dominating teams, and I get that the Dolphins have a good defense, but the Bills offense is just so potent. It's so explosive. I really think... The way to win this game, the key here, the X factor is Tua Tungavailoa. You need to keep him contained. You need to keep him in the pocket and make him play pocket passer. Make him be a successful pocket passer to beat you. And get pressure on him for lazy losses. If the Bills' explosive offense somehow shows up flat, Maybe there's a mental aspect. They already know they're in the playoffs. They know they're going to get third seed in the worst case scenario. And in their best case scenario, they get second seed. So they're they're playing for something, but they're not playing for their lives here. If they win or lose, they're going to the playoffs and they're going to be second or third seed. So they're going to have a great spot regardless. But I could see that maybe it's possible that they could lose this game if their offense doesn't roll the way it needs to because the Dolphins are going to want this to be a close game. They don't really want to get into a shootout. So if somehow they can stall our offense, maybe early on in the game and maybe even take a bit of a lead and force the Bills to try to climb back, the Bills could potentially lose to the Dolphins. This is going to be an interesting game because they both have two different things to play for. I think this game is a little more important to the Dolphins and I think they're going to be clawing and scratching their way through this game and they're going to be happy to be in a dogfight with the Bills. So if the Bills offense doesn't get going and can't get going early on, maybe the Dolphins defense can give the Dolphins an an opportunity to take a lead and that could potentially lead to a Bills loss. We're going to take a quick break and then when we get back, We're going to go through another new segment that we've added to this show, which is the drive of the game. We'll be back in just a moment. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. The drive of the game from this previous week is when Josh Allen hit Stefan Diggs on a crossing route, saw the safety, not looking at Diggs, and then gave Diggs an opportunity to not only catch it, but then run for a 50-yard touchdown. This play was beautiful. It wasn't a drive. It was a specific play, and it, man, was it impressive. When you look at this play, when you break it down, I've taken some time, I've watched this play, I've seen how it developed, how Josh Allen allowed it to develop. Those are things that he wasn't doing previously. He wasn't doing last season. He wasn't doing in his rookie season. He also didn't have a superstar receiver like Stefan Diggs. 
But he waited. When you watch the play again, and you take it down, and you watch it in slow-mo, you see Josh Allen backs up in the pocket. He takes his time. He scans the entire field. Now, the play was supposed to go deep to rookie receiver Gabriel Davis. But what happened was, is Allen noticed that the second safety, who was really supposed to pick up Diggs, actually turned and went deeper to pick up Davis, leaving Diggs in a second window on the farther side of the field for Josh Allen to throw a strike in there because Diggs had a step on the cornerback. And that's why the safety really should have stepped up. But Allen, being a smart quarterback, saw the safety turn and chase Gabe Davis and quickly threw a rocket to Diggs. And of course, Diggs basically walks into the end zone because there was no one inside. The safeties were both turned away, backs towards Allen, had no idea what was happening. By the time Diggs took off, it was too late, and boom, he's in the end zone. So that is the drive of the game, and that is brought to you by The Drive. It's a great game. I've used it with friends, family. It's such an awesome game. What it allows you to do is it allows you to bet on every single drive of any game you're watching. You can use it for the Bills game. You can use it for another game. All you do is each person playing puts whatever you all feel comfortable with, a dollar, a few dollars, whatever it might be, on each drive. You each take a card, and that card might say, the drive will end in a field goal. If it ends in a field goal, you get to take the pot. You take the loot. It's such a fun game. I really recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It makes every game much more exciting. So please, go check that out. Go get yourself the the drive at playthedrive.com. Before we go... I just want to talk about the guests that we're going to be having on in a few moments. We're going to have John Scott of Spectrum News. He's a sports anchor and reporter in Buffalo. Really great guy. I had a great chat with him. And in just a few moments, we'll play that interview. Being that he's in Buffalo, you really get that feel for what it's like to be a reporter for the Buffalo Bills, because this is the best time to be reporting on the Buffalo Bills. So just after a quick break, John will be on. So thank you. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, 
the Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. As mentioned previously, we have John Scott on the episode this week. John is a Buffalo Bills beat reporter and sports reporter at Spectrum News Buffalo. Really knowledgeable guy, has a ton to talk about when it comes to the Bills. John, why don't you tell our listeners where they can check you out, Twitter, etc.? Right. It's pretty simple. Um, both Facebook and Twitter at John Scott TV, J O N S C O T T TV. Uh, again, that's both on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I try to get as much stuff on Facebook, uh, but usually my go-to is on Twitter. Awesome. So John, we got a big week to talk about here. We have the bills destroying the new England Patriots and we have the bills playing what appears to be their new arch nemesis in the Miami Dolphins from the Bills Patriots game. What are your takeaways from that game? What can we take from that other than now we know the torch is clearly being passed, but is there anything else specific that you take from that game that you were so impressed with? Absolutely. The thing that I was most wanting to see in that game was Josh Allen be the quarterback that he has been against the majority of the rest of the league this season and do it against Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense. It is something that in the four previous games that he'd played against them, arguably his worst games of his entire NFL career to date were against Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense. I mean, entering in it, he was only a 50% passer in those four games, 732 yards. It's about 150 per game there three touchdowns to six interceptions and a rating of just about 58. Then he goes out there, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 320 yards, a 75% completion percentage. He did against the Patriots and Bill Belichick's defense last night, exactly what he has done against so, so, so many other defenses and even upper echelon defenses this entire season. And it was important to me, Not because of this year necessarily, but in my opinion, the Patriots aren't necessarily just going to crawl away and be something the Bills aren't going to have to deal with moving forward. They're going to continue to face Bill Belichick. They're going to continue to face him and the way that he is the greatest head coach of all time and such a defensive mastermind. Josh Allen's going to have to conquer that twice a year for hopefully you imagine 10 plus years from now. So to get over that hurdle, I, I use the phrase check another box against New England and Belichick last night, I thought was a really important springboard moving forward to say, all right, we know Josh can do it, albeit slightly undermanned defensive unit for the Patriots. And this is not, I expect things to get better, but to do it against them once. Now he has two wins in a row against them. I think that's critical moving forward. 
Yeah, and look, it's something that no Bills quarterback since 2000 has been able to do. So regardless of Tom Brady being there or not, you talk about it. Bill Belichick is a defensive genius. This is what he does. He builds good defenses with a lot of different parts, and he finds ways to confuse quarterbacks. And that's something we have not seen from Allen in a long time, which is confusion. Previously... There would be times where he was confused. We're just not seeing that anymore. He seems to have a real confidence and control when he's both coming into the huddle and going to the line, calling audibles, whatever it might be. He seems to be very comfortable in this Buffalo Bills offensive system. And it's probably partly because he's been in it now for three years. He's been working with the same offensive coordinator. Now, including Josh Allen here, where is that connection with Stefan Diggs? Is that what is taking Allen to that next level? Is it Stefan Diggs that has now catapulted him or is Allen making Diggs better? Or is it just a team effort? Where do we see that now? And where do we see it moving forward? I, I think it's a laundry list of reasons. It starts with Josh though. Mechanics wise, he is vastly improved. He footwork is better. And and I'm not a big film guy. I I leave that to people a little smarter on the football side and more intricate into that. But you can just tell mechanics wise, he's mentioned arm slot. He has a better feel for where the ball's going. And, And I always tell people it's similar to people who are good golfers. And when you hit the ball a certain way, you know, your swing well enough to understand what you did for the ball to go straight, what you did for the ball to go left, right, whatever it may be. So you're able to correct things mid round and not let things go completely awry. Josh, I think is at that point with his mechanics, throwing the football to where he he's made note multiple times this year that if a ball does something or doesn't go exactly where he wants it to, he, he has a better idea immediately of why that happened. And he's more able to self-correct as opposed to kind of work his way through it. I think in turn as well, He's not playing that hero ball. So his decision-making is better. And yes, the weapons around him are absolutely better. By bringing in Stefan Diggs, he is elite. There is no doubt about it. He's arguably the best wide receiver in football, certainly this year. And you knew the type of talent he was coming to this team. Diggs says they're just scratching the surface. Josh says the results speak for themselves. But what Diggs also allows is it slots everyone else in different places. John Brown went on the field is no longer the number one target. He's now the number two option most teams are focusing on. Cole Beasley also is someone that is having a career year that, again, he's not the number two option. He's now the number three option. Gabriel Davis has flashed as a rookie. Dawson Knox starting to get more involved. We even see Isaiah McKenzie involved as well. Everyone now is dropped down in a pecking order, but they're still incredibly talented. So there's just such a vast number of weapons that defenses have to account for. And, and, most of them, because you're usually always going to have to take digs with two players, are going to be in one-on-one circumstances. And Josh no longer feels the need to force it to certain players. He's going and finding the people that are open in the right places to put the football. Uh, that's a credit to Josh. It's certainly a credit to the weapons around him. And certainly developing three years of a rapport with Brian Dable, I think they're seeing that blossoming as well. I think you make some valid points. And look, the Bills passing game has been really impressive but yet the run game still doesn't appear to be a strong run game so that makes it even more 
incredible to see Josh Allen taking that leap forward without even having a run game to support his passing game. And that to me is what really is defining him and showing to the world what he can be because he's doing this without a strong run game. Before we get to the defense, there's one player in particular, and I feel like in the offseason, I'm going to be talking about this a lot. Dawson Knox, he has really not blossomed into what I think a lot of fans and analysts had hoped he would become. He clearly has speed. He's got great route running ability, but he's lacking in blocking. And of course, his hands, he seems to have some inconsistency there. We've seen him drop a lot of easy catchable balls and we saw it against the Patriots. He had an easy catchable ball in the end zone. He didn't have to turn and run and make a move. All he had to do was secure the ball and go down in the end zone. Are you concerned at all with Dawson Knox? Do you think maybe he doesn't even make the roster next year because the Bills could draft another guy? They could easily bring someone in. You know, I don't think Tyler Croft is being the answer. Prior to the season, I said he would be the answer. I think I was wrong. I think Tyler Croft is very solid, but he doesn't appear to be a true number one type tight end. And it seems like that might be that final piece that the Bills are missing with regards to the passing game. And maybe it would help in the run game too. You know, they have Lee Smith, who I guess is there for the run game, but really he's he's not particularly impressive in blocking or receiving. So maybe the Bills are going to need to look outside of the organization. Where are you at when it comes to the tight end position with the Bills? I will say, I'm, I don't know if I can go as far as saying it exactly like this, but I, to some extent, I'm a Dawson Knox apologist. Listen, you got to have the, the understanding of his backstory. And I actually did this earlier this year. I mean, Dawson Knox heading into his senior year of high school was a quarterback. And then he got injured, missed his entire season. He was a backup prior to that. He was undersized until his senior year, had a humongous growth spurt that ultimately led to the opportunity to walk on at Ole Miss, but he didn't even, he was transitioning then to tight end, didn't even see the field for two to three years. Then he's behind some guy, I think you may have heard of Evan Ingram, and he also had weapons, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf around him in that Ole Miss offense. So Dawson was not particularly a focal point. He didn't even play two full seasons of actual game action at Ole Miss, didn't catch a touchdown pass until he was a backup uh, wide receiver in high school. Then the Bills draft him, I think, understanding that he more was a project than someone that would immediately make a splash. He's very athletic. He's got fantastic size. I do think he's a better blocker than you may be giving him credit, but it absolutely is true and obvious. He is incredibly inconsistent with catching the football, and that definitely is something to take note. It also is worth noting that since he's come back from his injury and off the COVID list, his snap count has been pretty high and they continue to go to him. He is becoming far more productive and prominent in this Bills offense, especially in the absence of John Brown. I do agree that they are going to address the tight end position. They always, always will talk about competition. And so it could be bringing in someone from the outside, Tyler Croft, and I believe maybe Lee Smith's contract are up. So that would leave them really with just uh, Tommy Sweeney coming off his COVID uh, heart condition that he is dealing with here. And then Nate Becker's on the practice squad. So I think they may address it in multiple ways. The tight end class, to my knowledge, which is not very deep at this point, but I'm pretty sure that it's a deep tight end draft class. 
So that's an avenue they certainly could go. And I do think they maybe will address it with a veteran presence uh, as well through free agency. So I, I don't think they're going to give up on Dawson Knox. He certainly has showed enough flashes here. And I think they also have just shown across the roster that they have patience with players, especially ones that show talent, that show flashes, but they understand are still somewhat developing in their skill set here. I think Dawson Knox will continue to be someone that will be a fixture in the Bills offense through this playoff run. And I think they're not going to give up, but he may have to earn more of his starting role next season. Yeah, definitely. What the McDermott and Bean organization likes is two things. They like hard workers with great work ethic and Dawson Knox appears to have that. So yes, he's got some inconsistencies, but he's clearly willing to work on them. And, and like you said, we've seen that he is getting more time. So he's clearly showing some things. Yes, he had that bad drop. But what I didn't mention is he did have a great catch later on in the game, which seems to be the story with the guy. The easy catches he drops, the difficult catches he makes. So like you said, there's some inconsistency and the Bills will have to look to maybe bolster that. And, and maybe it becomes that there's a 1A and 1B tight end situation. Not every NFL team has Travis Kelsey that can play 90 plus percent of snaps and be out there and do it all. I think that that's what it really comes down to. And the next thing is Dawson Knox seems to have a good rapport with Allen. Although he's had some issues with, with consistency, Josh Allen does seem to be comfortable to go to him. And that's something big too, because it's wonderful if we have a great player there or a great tight end. But if Josh Allen doesn't feel comfortable with him, that can play an impact too, right? The team has drafted Knox. They knew he was going to be a project. And like you said, maybe it's going to take a little longer. Maybe we just have to have some patience. So look, I appreciate you saying that because maybe it gives me some comfort that I can relax a bit. Maybe it can give our listeners some comfort who might be worried about Dawson Knox because maybe it's going to take another off season for him working with the coaching staff, working with Josh Allen to take that next step and maybe become either that true number one tight end or at the very least be a solid 1A or 1B tight end. Let's take a jump to the defense now because the Bills defense was a concern for a long time, but they seem to be turning it around. To me, they're looking a lot like the defense of last season. They're looking like an elite defense now. And does that mean that the Bills are putting it all together now? Because if they are, this seems to be the perfect time to do that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, they've been trending in the right direction defensively for maybe even two months now. Maybe not that long, but, but they've been trending in the right direction when they really put a concerted effort in stopping the run, I know that's the biggest thing people were concerned about. They do that before last night's game for the six games since the new England, the first new England meeting, they held their opponents to under 100 yards rushing the key formula just overall for this defense. And they've said finding their identity and the identity of this defense is to be incredibly aggressive to produce pressure which is bringing more blitzing than Leslie Frazier usually traditionally does, and in turn, force turnovers. And that has been the recipe for success for this defense. Certainly, New England is maybe one of the worst offensive teams that they faced all season. Maybe the Jets, you would throw in there as well. Cam Newton is just not who he is. Jarrett Stidham isn't, and they're just completely devoid of weapons 
uh, on the outside and all over the offense here. But still, they took care of business. And again, it's applying pressure. And you're starting to see it from all sorts of guys. Yes, it's Jerry Hughes. Yes, it's Mario Addison. You saw Quinton Jefferson get a sack. A.J. Epinesa's snap total is really going up. Daryl Johnson has seen more run. Ed Oliver is flashing the past few games as well. And, and you hear from the coaching staff that he is playing far better than the stats may necessarily show you as well. So that defensive front is playing better. And again, you're starting to see that aggressive nature with Dean Marlowe coming off the edge and getting a sack last night. Tredavious White with the strip sack in Denver. Jordan Poyer's come off the edge. You're seeing more guys flying around linebackers coming on the blitz as well, With whether it's A.J. Klein or Matt Milano, even Tremaine Edmonds. So you're seeing them really, really fire around and fly around. And it has been an adjustment, a great adjustment, I think, for Leslie Frazier to dial things up, which, is, again, is not what he usually likes to do. It's not necessarily what McDermott likes to do. Um, but they're trusting their back end. They're sending any and everyone else at different times in that front seven. And it's really been something that's turned things around. Yeah, I like that you bring up A.J. Epinesa because he started the season, of course, a healthy scratch. He was getting a low snap count. He really wasn't getting a chance to get involved and, and make his mark. But something you you mentioned, his it's his energy. I had Mookie Hawkins on a, a couple months ago, and he talked about that the Bills defense at the time when they were struggling – didn't have energy, didn't have swagger. And that was a really big problem because they couldn't seem to gain any momentum in any games and they were just getting beat down on. But a guy like Epinesa has come in and seems to have a very explosive energy. You talk about it, right? Jerry Hughes is not the only one making or causing mayhem anymore. You're seeing Epinesa getting involved. He's beating guys on the line. He's making big tackles. He is flying around. So you said the defense is flying. And that's something that they weren't doing early on. And it seems like that energy they have, that confidence is really showing up on the field. And it's something that's for sure helping Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier dial up some more blitzes because they're seeing that the back end is also playing with energy and they're playing with confidence. When you see Levi Wallace, I had uh, Dan Fates on a few weeks ago and we were talking about some concerns about Levi Wallace. But now all of a sudden, he's deflecting passes. He's getting interceptions. All of a sudden, you're seeing him play more aggressively. So with the back end playing more aggressively and playing better overall, the Bills can finally do things like dial up blitzes, send everything, including the kitchen sink. And we're seeing that. And that's causing pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Now, you mentioned Cam Newton is, of course, not what he used to be. But still, the fact that the Bills are getting pressure and they're forcing quarterbacks to make mistakes is just not something they were doing early on. And it's a true pleasure to see them finally doing that. And that takes me right to my next topic, which is the Bills have the Miami Dolphins coming to town and they are a team that is playing with a lot of confidence as well. They have a great opportunity to make the playoffs if they beat the Bills. They clinch. If they lose to the Bills, they still have a 75% chance to make the playoffs. Now, they're going to be coming in. They're going to be playing hard. They got a young rookie quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa. So 
is the Bills' energy still going to be at the level that it needs to be to beat the Dolphins, even though the Bills are already in the playoffs? The question is really going to surround who actually plays in this game. I asked Sean McDermott about an hour, hour and a half ago, two hours, I guess it is at this point, uh, what he was going to do in regards to resting starters. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the other team that potentially the Bills will be going against to get that two seed, has already said Ben Roethlisberger will not play Sunday against the Browns. So that shows you that at least at their most important position, they are not going to play their starter. So do the Bills follow suit? Sean McDermott says a plan is in place, but they're going to keep it internal and not tell anyone. That is to the surprise of no one. I didn't think he was going to show, show his hand there, but it's the question has to be asked. So uh, I think that'll be the real question. Energy-wise, yeah, I mean, they understand. They can win 13 games now. They can be the number two seed. They want to finish strong as well. We saw them stumble a bit down the stretch a year ago, how much that played a role in how things played out in Houston. I'm not entirely sure, but you certainly want to continue to ride this hot streak. Whether or not they win and, and what type of game it is against the Dolphins, again, is going to depend on whether it's Josh Allen at quarterback or Matt Barkley. We all understand the difference that that's going to be, whether that is Stephon Diggs out there or if your primary wide receivers are Gabriel Davis and Isaiah, and, uh, Isaiah McKenzie or things like that. So, so that's going to be, I think, the biggest key here. And in regards to the Dolphins, their biggest question is who is going to be their quarterback and for how long. Tua is expected to start, but as we saw in the Vegas game, Brian Flores is not afraid to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, as he said, almost as like a relief pitcher, as a closer, to try to spark them and try to get them the win, which he ultimately did, which was critical for their playoff chances. So it'll be an interesting dynamic there to see who plays and how long and, and when. I think that's the most interesting story going into this one. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see who plays. And a part of me wants to see Josh Allen play. I want to see him break Drew Bledsoe's passing yardage for a single season. But I also want to see him be protected. I don't need him getting injured. But like you said, the two seed is up for grabs. And if you got a chance to get it, you probably should try to get it. I know Pittsburgh's not playing Roethlisberger. But I think Allen and Roethlisberger are in two different scenarios, right? You have Roethlisberger nearing the end of his career. He's had a lot of serious injuries. He's been fortunate enough to even come back and still play at a decent level, maybe not what he was before. And then you have Allen, who's taking a step forward every week. I almost feel like taking him off for a week could change the momentum. I want to keep him flowing. I want to keep him playing. So maybe the Bills go with a first half situation, depending on the game. Allen doesn't play the second half. I mean, I guess we'll see. No surprise that the Bills organization is being hush-hush about it. They tend to be very quiet about this stuff. And I really appreciate it. I think it's better for everyone. I think it's better for the team playing different opponents, not allowing them to know what their plan is. But let's get to the final question here, which is, the score prediction this week. It's tricky because we don't know who's going to play. But let's assume everyone's playing. We don't know if Fitzy's going to come in or not as the relief pitcher, as you said. But do we think the Bills are going to win this game? And what is the score going to be? It's tough. I will say Josh Allen, different circumstances. Last year played the first two series of the game 
and then was out and, and let Matt Barkley take the reins from there. And they obviously they lost to the Jets um, a year ago here. You're right. It is tricky. I don't think Josh plays the whole game. It's just a matter of does he come out when they're up in a big lead, if they happen to get one or, or whatnot. I'm actually going to lean to where they value rest over definitively winning the two seed. I think the Steelers are going to lose to the Browns. Vegas also agrees. They have them already at 10-point underdogs, the Steelers, believing that they're going to rest their starters as well. So I think the Bills will have an eye on that as well to develop their plan. I think the Bills actually lose this game because of that. Uh, Nothing against Matt Barkley, um, but the defense of the, the Miami Dolphins, is really good it's frankly why they are in a position to win 11 games and make the playoffs it's it's been so opportunity opportunistic with forcing turnovers there's guys like Shaq Lawson Xavier Howard uh is over there uh potentially defensive player of the year in the NFL so I'm gonna say the Dolphins win this one 24-17 um Maybe we'll see more Tyler Bass than that, but but I think I think that it's it's going to be a, a game that the Bills value rest over winning. I like that. I wrote down two predictions here because I have the one where Allen plays the majority of the game. I agree. There's no way he's playing four quarters. I I just don't think it would make sense. But if he plays the majority of the game, I could see the Bills winning twenty four to seventeen. If Allen gets pulled earlier than I'm expecting, I do think the Bills will lose 23 to 17, which is pretty damn close to what you have. I do think overall, I think I agree with you. I think the Bills are going to take a loss here, but I don't think it's going to matter because I think Pittsburgh's also going to lose. There's too much on the line for the Browns. Like you said, Pittsburgh's already clearly resting most of their starters. They're not going to fight for this seed. And I think the Bills will lose a tight game to the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to get blown out, even with Barkley. I think they're going to put up a fight, but I do think they're going to lose that game. So, John, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited for the Bills. I'm sure you are too. Hopefully they're going to win at least one game. Maybe they're going to the Super Bowl this year. I guess we'll have to see. John, thank you so much for coming on. Again, if anyone wants to check him out on Twitter, go check him out. I believe it's John Scott TV. Check him out. He's always posting Bill's content. John, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. 